In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Win your way into the playoffs and see what happens. And and to to Browns Twitter fans and nerds that are like, yeah, butting the shit out of it, you're going to be in the playoffs. There's a very good chance. Like, just try, maybe try to enjoy it. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited to have uh, my guest on today. It's uh, he. I think I, I think Pants. I had you on a couple times during the the original rebuild. That was kind of like the 1980s Browns. You know, we were really flourishing. Um, you know, we were going to the we were going to Super Bowls. We were winning championships, and then it, it went away for a little bit. And now it's like the um, we're back, but we're not as bad as the Browns were when they came back. I feel like we didn't even miss a beat. Um, so you're 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 part of the former rebuild, and now you're part of the current rebuild. Um, I was frozen. I was actually frozen in a giant cube of ice, like in yeah. Snowman in 1994. So, yeah. like, I woke up a few months ago. So, as far as I was told, like the the past 21 years has been nothing but flourishment. Like, I didn't absolutely. It's it, yeah. nothing went wrong, right? Like everything was. No, we've been winning and shit still, right? Yeah, things just kind of got better. Uh, they got a lot better, you know. We went on went on the hiatus. The Browns were trash, and I was like, okay, I'll come it's back. It's the and, Cleveland I know and love, baby. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know him either as Aaron Seacrest or OK Pants on Twitter. You probably know him as OK Pants. It's a way better name. Like, are you gonna legally? Ch- I'm just waiting for you to legally change it, and I don't. My know why, my like, parents were never shitty is. enough to me. To, to really push me to legally change it. Like they were yeah. always pretty nice to me and, and shit. So out of respect to Mark and Marcy Seacrest, OK Pants is just an LLC. Yes. Um, and right, also no. it's just been a long weird trail and evolution of my nickname. But yeah, I'm OK Pants on all social media, including TikTok, baby. Oh, let's go. Pants is on TikTok. He's in, he, you're already. One years young out on the TikTok, TikTok and you don't stop and. No, you're making waves out. The streets are talking about your TikTok. So it's, uh, it's good to have you on that platform. Um, I, you know, we, <laughs> I, um, not a joke, by the way, I'm really no, on TikTok. No, follow him on TikTok. Follow him on TikTok. It's content it's, for your ass. It's fire content always on any platform. Um, you know, Pants, first of all, my condolences, you know, you put out a video, you didn't win scenes, um, graphic designer of the year, which I, which, you know, as both of us, Actually, it's funny. We met initially as we both worked for Cleveland Scene. I was an intern. I was like six years old, um, just like hanging Young out. Gun. You were the you were the hotly highly touted prospect. Oh Shouts man, to Vince Gregoric. <laughs> Shouts to my guy Vince. Yeah, you were the art director. You were putting out fire on the cover. That was a, that no, was a wild was, time. Vince was your John Dorsey man. He, he, he was talked. He talked you up. Brought you in. It was yeah. He had nothing but great things to say. So that's thanks to Vince. That's how we're friends now. Absolutely, Vince. Great guy. Still doing his thing over at Scene. Magazine still plowing through, even as times get super tough. So shout out to Cleveland Scene in general. Um, 
But uh, I, I just forgot where I was going with that transition. I just got nostalgic about it. Um, yeah, no, we um, we were talking about uh, the Browns just flourishing for for literally decades, and and how the how the late '90s and the 2000s and the 2010s has been nothing but uh, decades of glory. And decades of glory. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. I know where I was going with this. But seen um, seen shunned you for their oh, that's uh, right. I was designer robbed. of the. Uh, you were robbed, <clears throat> and so um, you know, just condolences from me. Um, to you for that tough, for that tough loss, but you took it well. You took it in stride. Um, you I made a great I video. Speak, I could speak for everybody that it was probably for the best that I came in <laughs> second and not first because it made it yielded far better content from mm-hmm. OK Pants, the OK Pants media empire. Yeah. So, um, shouts to Eileen Dorsey. You know, I, I'm not even trying to sound fake humble, but you know, it just was funnier that I came in second and you know. That's uh, I never campaigned to win awards of that sort, and I'm not trying to discredit anybody, but it's like I I put a post out when the awards were first and not like the the nominating process was first announced, and then I let it left it alone. So the will of the people spoke. I'm second, the second best artist in Cleveland, according to Scene Magazine. Yeah, and um, you know, you just got to fight back for that top spot, and you know, it's coming. But I really thought when Oliver Barrett moved out of town that that was I had the first spot on lock. That was actually what I told him. I was like, "Thanks for finally moving, so I could reclaim the top seat." But you know, and you gotta, you know, they're keeping you humble. Talking too much shit. (laughs) You were, you definitely were. Um, But please, because that's how art works, anyways. Art is definitely a contest, and you can do a power rankings of it. But yeah, anyways. Yeah, anyways. But check out OK Pants' his website. Check out his gear, his um, his design work, his T-shirts, everything like that. Um, It's great stuff. So, but I have pants on because yeah, the Browns are eight and three. And I was saying before we started recording this, like a lot of this podcast, I enjoy having people on that can give you know some X's and O's perspective, some national perspective, but like. The Browns have actually never been eight and three since they returned um, in 1999. Like the 2007 season, they were ten and six. They finished the season ten and six, but they were five and I believe they were five and four before they, they sort they of. They were coughing and wheezing their way. In, they in were the coughing and wheezing stretch. on the right arm of Derek Anderson. Um, they well, I remember because it was the last time they won. It came down to if they beat the Bengals on mm-hmm. the last week of the season, they they won their way in the playoffs and they couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Um, Derek Anderson, I remember that game well. They were in Cincinnati. It was super windy. And I remember they, Derek Anderson threw like 40 times, which was a great game plan for when the wind <laughs> is whipping. Um, but, yeah, so the Browns have never been like 8-3. and three, And I think that we need to take a moment before they play probably their biggest game of the season this weekend against the Titans. Like, we just need to take a second and, like, I don't know, put it into context and just talk a little shit, man. We don't get to do this that like ever, like as Browns fans. I mean, that's not true. We do it anyway, even when the team is 0-16. Like we're going to get these jokes off. But now we can like actually get these jokes off because we're 8-3. How has this season been for you um, as a fan, but also just like content-wise on Twitter? Because that's really where I think we're going to flourish for the rest of the season. It's honestly been like – I don't have any content to really share on Twitter because they're, they're a good team and you can, I know that Brown's Twitter wants to be like, yeah, but they're eight, three, there's the combined record of the teams. <laughs> they're eight and fucking three, man. This league is set up so there cannot be any truly shitty teams. You win a game in this league, you win a fucking game and they've won eight of them. 
That's more than twice as many games as Hugh Jackson won in his three-year tenure as Browns coach. He's done it. He's Kevin Stefanski's done it in eleven games. So you are what you are. Eight and three. It's great because guess what? This point last season they were what three and eight. I don't remember four and like four and seven. Like pick any season. It's always like. They're like, yo, well, they're playing a shitty team. Well, it's not. It's never been a lock that they can beat the shitty teams in the league, and now they're beating those teams. And I and even I think it's even better that they're doing it in ugly fashion because it means they can grind it out and they they have a coach that can navigate the way through to win those games. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I I truly do not care that they've beaten quote unquote bad teams because that's the thing. It, it, like you said, like. They're, they've lost to the, to just horrible teams our entire lifetime. Like they lost, even when the Browns have been bad, they've lost to teams that are worse than them and that they should beat. So like you're, you are not going to get me to be like, eh, well, okay, but it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like no, Mike Glennon and his long neck got the, got this work and I'm going to celebrate it 100%. You know, like, yes, would it have felt better if they'd have won that game 41 to 10? Sure. But they won the game, man. Like, we were not we have never been a good team in 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 the new era of the browns so like this feels like it doesn't feel like a fluke that they're succeeding it feels like i'm excited to see what they do for the next 5 games and i feel like this isn't going to disappear next year that being said you don't know what the schedule is going to look like next year you don't know what injuries are coming your way next year you don't know what a season with an actual training camp is going to look like it's like these are the circumstances all 32 teams have functioned under, and this is where your season's shaken out. And you have five games to win your way handily into the playoffs. I'll say it. You could, they could convincingly win their way into a middle seed in the playoffs. Because I also forgot that they added an extra wild card they did. team this year. Yeah, I don't know so... what that just... There are seven playoff teams now for each conference, where there used to be six, and only so. And the team with the the number one seed in both conferences is the only team to get a buy now. It used to be multiple teams got buys in the first round, so that's no longer. Um, well, if COVID keeps rolling the way it does, they might have no choice in adding bye weeks for other teams. Yeah, teams. yes, so I hope it's just it's the stuff with Baltimore <laughs> and Pittsburgh was insane. Um, you know, for the most part, I will say. They've done a NFL has done a decent job um, so far. That the Baltimore Pittsburgh situation got a little dicey. Um, they should have made that. They should have made the Ravens and the Steelers play again for Thursday night football. The just, the day, night. just the day. Just after. the day after. No game. Just be like, <laughs> yeah. you guys, it's not even like it's not going to count on the record. You guys just have to play again. So fuck off. Yeah, I mean, so the thing is like. Are the Browns like the best eight and three team I've ever seen? Like, no. I think, I think, I don't think there's Browns fans. This is my thing too. When like, I mean, I know it's content and I know there's like companies like CBS Sports or whoever it is that put out that graphic that was like Browns versus teams with winning records. Here's their thing. Like it's content for them. They're going to get conversations started. They're going to get retweets, all that stuff. I, as someone who works in that industry, I fully understand it. But at the same time, it's like, I don't think anybody is really out here being like, the Browns are the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, like, we're not – I think most Browns fans, as exciting as this is, like, in my circle, are pretty realistic. Like, the Browns are not about – like, nobody expects the Browns to go on a Super Bowl run. But here's the thing, too. It's like, you 
you play who's on your schedule 100%. Like, this has been a very easy schedule for the Browns. But the thing is, you take advantage of it, and if you get to the playoffs, for the Browns, I think getting to the playoffs is more so than maybe any other franchise right now, is just in terms of, like, morale for the franchise, for the culture of the team, for the city, like, all of it, I think it's a way bigger deal than, like, somebody than, say, like, I don't know, like, if the Jaguars made the playoffs this year. Nobody in Jacksonville cares. You know, like, they do – they're in the pool. They're in the cabana. They're not paying attention to the game. Like, in in Cleveland, it matters. Yeah, the same people that have been whining and, and, and talking to death about build an identity and this team needs to build a culture and we don't have a culture. They're the same people that are like, yeah, but if you get in the playoffs, you're going to get ran right off the field. You're going to get beat. Well, like you build an identity and you build a culture by getting in the fucking playoffs. And then, you know, it stands to reason you have a nucleus of players and a coaching staff in place that's going to, you know, get you further the next year. That's basically how football's supposed to work for any city in the planet that's not Cleveland, right? At the same time, the league's set up that 13 and 3 teams sometimes go 3 and 13 the next season and it's it's supposed to be set up that way where it's just you don't know. So it's like win your way into the playoffs and see what happens. And and to to Browns Twitter fans and nerds that are like yeah, butting the shit out of it. You're going to be in the playoffs. There's a very good chance. Like, just try, maybe try to enjoy it. Bro, like, I I wrote this, I do a newsletter uh, with my buddy Chris Manning, and one of the things I wrote about for today's was, like, the last time the Browns were in the playoffs was 2002. I was, like, eight years old. I don't even know. I can't do it. I was I 36 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was older than I am now. Um, no, so 2002, I was, like, in middle school. And, but so that was a while ago for me. But I remember, I legitimately remember waking up that morning. I have this very distinct memory of turning on 96.5 Kiss FM, still a radio station in Cleveland. It's been around for a very long time. And hearing the DJ, whoever was on that morning, being like, uh, coming up, we've got this song by Ja Rule. We've got this song um, by Ashanti. And then good luck to the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs. And, like, man, I remember just being so hype and being like, this is wild. Like, I've never seen the Browns in the playoffs. I don't know what this is like. Like, I remember the energy from that day. And to have another Saturday or Sunday or, like, whatever day it's going to be for that wild card game, to wake up and know that the Browns are playing a playoff game, like, dude, it's going to be huge. Like, you're going to – it's going to be – even if they lose, like, whatever, that energy the morning before the game is going to be unlike anything you've probably experienced. It's probably going to be on par with, like, you woke up before a Cavs finals game against the Warriors. Like, it really is going to be that type of energy. I Yeah, I mean, I could tell you I'm a little older than you. I I remember when the Browns were, like, pretty much – every year going to the championship game, like the late eighties, mid eighties. And it was like people, you know, younger people don't understand for as great as those Cavs finals runs were multiply it by 10 Browns being in the playoffs, Browns making a a run deep into the playoffs that this team more than any other team in Cleveland is just so tied directly to the nervous system of this city in Northeast Ohio that it, it, it is Football in general is just a religion in America. In Northeast Ohio, the Browns are just if they can if they can win one playoff game, it, I don't think people understand 
what the vibes will be because I, I mean, I, I that was I was just old enough to understand how crazy things were when 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 this team was like making championship runs and stuff, and uh, that was honest to God. I was six or seven years old, so I mean, I've been waiting over thirty years to see it again. Yeah, man, it's like. You know, and I think about like someone like my dad too, who, you know, I was fortunate enough to watch game seven of the 2016 finals with him and like thinking about how long he like, obviously the Cavs have never won a title. That was their first one ever. But like just thinking about somebody like that, like my dad, who's in his mid sixties, who, you know, it's been, <laughs> he remembers those teams. Like I don't even have a reference point for the Browns being good. I've just always seen them be bad. Like he remembers as you do when you were younger, like what it was like. So like for people like that, to be able to have a team like this, that is going to bring some of those memories and feelings back. Like, yeah, it's a big deal for like everybody in the city. And here's the thing also. It's a big deal for people if they allow it to be enjoyable. Like yes. there's just the Twitter age of sports spectatorship has brought out some massive crybaby attitudes about it. It's like in, Brian Windhorst said it about the Cavs when people started complaining about the championship window closing. Just enjoy it. Yeah. No, Not and I, that, um, Paul Dolan told fans to in, enjoy Francisco Lindor, you know, like, yeah, yeah, just buy the ticket, take the ride. Yeah. It's, um, and I've fallen into that trap for sure. I think like, because I'm now working for the NFL, so it's weird for me on Sundays. Cause I, I can't like fully just sit back and be a fan and watch the Browns. And because I've done stuff in you know, sports media, like I think a little bit of my fandom has like dissipated a little bit, but that's just kind of by circumstance. But I still like, I don't even, they play that playoff game. I'm full fandom. Like I'm not, I don't care. Like I'm not going to sit there and try to analyze. Like I want to sit down and watch a Browns playoff game. That's why I've never been more fortunate to not be athletically inclined or really have any level of IQ about professional sports because it's just, (laughs) it's pure enjoyment for me. Like music, pure enjoyment. Cause I was always a front man. I couldn't play a fucking song to save my life on a guitar. It's just like, it's enjoyment. Like the Browns have always meant more to me than the sport of football. Cavs have always meant more to me than the sport of basketball. Yep. Um, Indians, I hear baseball is a great sport. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're just not my thing. I'm, I'm real happy for Indians fans. Uh, but yeah, like my point being, um, we have most people younger than under the age of 30 have never seen this in their lifetimes. And it's like what I believe to be knock on wood, the beginning of a window of winning football in Cleveland. And it's just like, see where it goes. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think about this a lot too, because I, as, as you know, I am a um, staunch Carson Wentz hater um, from day one. Um, I you have, were never on board, right? No, I have um, sometimes to my detriment gotten off some Carson Wentz takes all the time. <laughs> Uh, but here we are in 2020. Carson Wentz is like the worst quarterback in the league. And finally, I feel fulfilled as a human. But here's the th- what I wanted to say about this is like, I don't know if you watched that Monday night game uh, last week. It was the Eagles versus Seahawks. I believe I texted you a, a, a Carson Wentz take. I yes, I, yes, I you did. Some of it. Um, Brian Greasy, who is one of the Monday night football uh, announcers, was just like going out of his way to make every like for Carson Wentz is good and look at look at the team around him they don't have any wide receivers he's been injured like they have no offensive line all this stuff so many excuses for that team that quarterback and that is a dude they they won a Super Bowl like three years ago it's they're not even yeah. three years removed from their their first Philadelphia's first ever Super Bowl if you 
if you think about what the Browns have actually had to go through this year, and I don't like doing this because every team has had to deal with this COVID stuff in one way or another. But like, if you look at the circumstances around the Browns, first of all, obviously shortened off season with a brand new coaching staff after just like a disaster, a dumpster fire of a year with Freddie Kitchen. So you get, you fire your GM, you fire your coach, you bring in Kevin Stefanski who brings in a, completely different system than what Freddie Kitchens was running. So essentially Baker Mayfield and this whole offense is learning completely different offense. There's no preseason. You just go right into the regular season. You get boat raced by Baltimore in week one, as I think we all expected, but still it was like, damn. It was not fun. I mean, this either anyway, like I said, that was not the way you want to open the season up. No, it's not. And then you think about you lose Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, for the season. You've got – you lost Nick Chubb for multiple games. You four lost games, my right. What is that? Yeah, it was like four three games. games, four games. I forget. Uh, Miles Garrett has missed the past two games. Like they've dealt with a ton of stuff. So for them to be eight and three, like they literally could have just played the Jaguars every week. And if they were eight and three right now, I'd be like, wow. Like they, I think we need to put into context. If there's going to be excuses made because Carson Wentz can't uh, complete a pass because. Uh, Oh, their offensive line couldn't block for three seconds. Like, then we need to also talk about, like, what the Browns as a franchise this season have had to deal with. I would give Carson Wentz the same benefit of the doubt for different reasons that I give Baker Mayfield for some things where, you know, I don't watch a lot of Eagles football, but it doesn't look like they haven't, they give him any kind of protection whatsoever. They don't. He is, he definitely has no receivers. He definitely has no offense. He looks like he's literally, there's not a play I've watched him where he's not running for his life or getting swallowed up by defensive linemen. I mean, like literally any play. I don't want, I don't know why I've been watching so much Eagles football, but anyways, you know, like could say the same for Baker where Baker's last season was an abject disaster through no fault of his own. He's on his fourth different head coach. Um, You know, he's got, he, I don't want to see him be the latest casualty of the Browns quarterback grinder. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't know what he can be as a professional quarterback, but I felt like it could still be closer to what we saw in that first season than it was in last season. I don't know where I'm going with it beyond that, but it's <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, talking about Baker, Baker Mayfield. Um, but yeah, it's, it's eight and three is eight and three in my eyes. You know, if like, you know, the, the Patriots were eight and three right now, yeah. would we be talking about it the same way? It's, it's you won eight games in the national football league. It's hard to do. It's hard to win one game in the national football league. It definitely is. And I think, yeah, it's good to sometimes take a step back and like just like zoom out a little bit and, and look at it. And, you know, it's weird a little bit too for me, not only because of my job, but now because I'm in LA and so I'm not around Browns fans and being able to, even if, <laughs> even if I wasn't working on Sundays, can't go to any Browns backers bars here. Like, you know, you just can't. This season's been weird in general because everything's closed. I mean, it's, and... it's bizarre to me. It's a different discussion. It's bizarre to me they let as many fans in, in First Energy Stadium as they do weekly, you know, for Browns games. But whatever, Bro, you should not here to be COVID cop. So Some of those college games, like in Oklahoma and, like, Texas A&M, and you're just like, I'm sorry, that's a full that's a full stadium. <laughs> you guys, that's, yeah, I mean, your stadium's I, full. I, What's happening? But I remember being 22 years old. And oh. I – you know, like if you told me I couldn't go to a bar or I couldn't go to a bar where there's more than eight people in it, I probably would have put up a lot of stink about it. Probably because I'd be drunk at the time. But you know, like 
Bro, I caught it's... I caught mono two weeks into my freshman year. I would have. <laughs> and, and you probably missed zero reps at the bar while you while you had it. I would have caught. I would have gotten COVID six times if I was in college right now. Imagine no doubt this. in my mind. Imagine Johnny Manziel is the Browns quarterback during oh COVID. Oh they would have had to put an ankle. He would have had an ankle monitor on at all times. Do you think, you know, we all know the videos that surface of local watering holes and nightclubs <laughs> with super spreader type vibes. Imagine if that guy's still around, you know? Um, oh, man. It's like, I, I don't, it, it's football again. Football is just such a religion in America for yep. high school, college, and professional on all those levels that it's not the same. It's like they'll be able to control, you know, baseball attendance because it's baseball. And even basketball, they were able to get away with a bubble because it's basketball. So it's just really hard. It's just really hard. Everything is hard about this thing to negotiate. But when you throw football in, it's it's just a different deal. Like David Cross had the greatest joke about, 9-11, and I'm going to date myself because that happened 20 years ago. But he just goes, or as I like to call it, the week football stopped. You know, like, <laughs> yep. That's the barometer we use as a culture. Is like It doesn't even matter if you're not a sports fan. You understand the weight that fo- professional football carries in America. Yep, it's uh, it's huge. I think you see it with like the rate. I think the Thursday, the Thanksgiving game between two garbage teams in the Cowboys and and the Washington football team did n- like it was one of the highest rated games in the past. Like thought, like did numbers. It's insane. It's yeah. absolutely insane. So. Because it's oh, also I think it benefits from you know like people don't have shit to do and, sure. and people. You know, moreover than people not really having shit to do, we all know nobody else is really doing anything. So when you have stuff like the NBA going on or you have an NFL game going on, it's like, wait, living people are doing stuff in real life. I want to see this right now. Like, if they just turned on a security camera at Target, you know, any Target store, and just sort of live fed it on NBC, people would be watching it because, like, what, what, yo, like, they they get the LaCroix? They get that grapefruit or what? Like, (laughs) shit, dude. Yeah. Like, damn, I feel like you need to pit, like you might need to pitch that. I would, I would, I would watch that 100%. My, you know, like when this all started, I put a joke on Twitter, uh, where I said OnlyFans is about to do Jeff Bezos numbers because it's like, <laughs> ain't a whole lot else to do. No, <laughs> nothing else going on. Two thousand twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is crucial. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps find you quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, according to Comscore's total visits, so it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hire. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Why don't we wrap up our Browns discussion with this? How do you feel about – so this game, this game objectively, if I think about big Browns games um, outside of their playoff appearance in 2002 and maybe that game against the Bengals like we discussed earlier on in 2007, but this game is – look, if they lose, they can still make the play. Like, it's not a, it's not a must-win game by any means. Um, like, they, they'll still have a pretty good chance of making the playoffs if they lose. No, if they, but I would say this. If they win this game – it means they're it legitimizes they're much them in. as a contending team. Yes, both Sorry, both like, of those, a hundred percent. It not only is like they they're going to have like a ninety plus ninety what, plus percent. What do you say? Are, are Titans eight and three too? Yeah, eight and three. And I, I believe they, if the Browns win, it's like a ninety plus percent chance that the Browns make the playoffs. Um, well, like my point is though, the Titans they're in charge of AFC South. Like they're they they're like the number yeah. one team, so they need this game too, right? Like, just for seeding, for seeding reasons, for record reasons, yeah. I mean, it's a huge game for them as well. Um, but I think you're I think, right. Like, it's yeah. it legitimizes the Browns. It 100% legitimizes the Browns. I saw a clip earlier today of yeah. Colin Cowherd talking about how, like, well, if Baker can't do this, and that's going to be the narrative. Like, if they lose this game and Baker plays poorly, like, that will continue to be the narrative about the Browns, whether we like it or not. So, like, it's a huge reason for, for multiple reasons, a huge game. Which for I also reasons. think I don't, I'm not a Baker apologist, but I think that's an unfair referendum on Baker for this specific game because if you win this game, it means you've somewhat contained Derrick Henry. That's what I think this yes. game means. Um, I agree. Just, like they, like, they, I think it's the biggest game in the, in this 90, 1999 forward era of Browns football because you win this game. I don't like looking ahead or counting like, like locking and wins, but you win this game. Let's just assume they, they roll through the jets and they beat the giants that puts you at 11 and five. There's no way you're missing the playoffs with that. Yep. So it, it's, and it's a, the confidence boost this team would get from beating, you know, they were in the Titans were a championship. They were a win away from the, from the Super Bowl last year. I don't know, and you and and I think Nick Chubb is it's Nick Chubb versus Derrick Henry versus maybe Alvin Kamara for rush, rushing title this year. Yep, yeah, Derek Chubb Henry. unfortunately missed those couple games, so he's a little bit. So I don't know if he is going to be able to. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not even like let's forget about the statistics. Like, oh, just in terms of like best running back, yeah, Chubb, absolutely, yes. absolutely. Um, I mean. You can't put a statistic on the stiff arm that dude laid on that unfortunate eagle a few weeks ago, but it, it, it's you can't you can't put a price on the stiff arm or the the uh, bowl over of Joe Schobert that uh, he did former Brown um, Joe Schobert uh, who now plays for Jacksonville after Joe Schobert had some comment during the week where he was like I can't wait to tackle my former teammate Nick Chubb and then Nick Chubb I think you can just Joe rolled him over. I was like what are you talking about you can't wait are you have you seen this dude? The, the last two dudes I don't ever want to have to tackle a punter in the NFL but the last two dudes in the universe I ever want to try tackling are Derrick Henry and Nicholas Chubb. And Joe Schobert is like the most, you know, he's an athlete, but like he's the most average looking dude. It's like, you're excited to try and tackle my guy, Nick Chubb. Are you not a dude that should like, look, he's, he, I, I, I wish we could have hung on to that guy. 
he's not a dude that should attempt shit talking or no. talking. I know it was like playful, but it yeah, was he was trying to have some fun, but I still remember seeing it and be like, this is probably going to come back to, um, to haunt you a little bit because Nick Chubb is going to destroy your family. I mean, uh, yeah, it's just going to uh, happen. The magnitude of the game aside, I just think it, it it's going to be maybe the game of the season for the Browns, just from like a, a fan standpoint, like it should be fun. It should be a fun ass game to watch, man. It like, should. They're very evenly, you know, um, like it should kind of be a shootout. Like both their defenses are not very good right now, especially mm-hmm. Denzel Ward is still out for the Browns. So like, which is a bummer. It's a huge bummer. He's probably having the best season of his career by far. Um, so it's going to probably be a shootout and I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. So it should be a really fun game. Um, if you I mean, think- it's just like, I, I don't really remember a lot of throwback football, like, but it is like when you hear dudes talk about it, it's going to be like some bully ball. I think it's really going to be like, yeah, we're giving Derek the ball, pound, we're giving cream the ball. Let's see what the fuck happens. You know, yeah. like, it's, um, nothing happens. You know, it's crazy too. I think I've been thinking about this a lot. So like, let's say, let's just for fun, say they beat the Titans, right? They're nine and three. Then you yep. get Baltimore on a Monday night. Baltimore has, um, their whole team has COVID, so you're going to be playing. They have like 73 players with COVID right now. So I didn't I mean, even know Lamar had COVID. I knew they had over 20 players with COVID, but I didn't even realize Lamar was one of them. Bro, half the Ravens team was tweeting about the game during that game on Wednesday because they all <laughs> were just, they all were just at home because they all had COVID. Um, yeah, Miles, Miles tweeting about the Browns game during the Browns game was one of the more surreal wow. things. But yeah, yeah. Um, so the Ravens are going to be banged up. I mean, they're going to have Lamar back and I, probably, but like, that's a winnable. The Ravens are playing terribly as it is. Like they're really struggling. So like, all right, let's say the Browns beat the Ravens. They're 10 and three. Then you get the Giants and Jets back to back. The Browns could legitimately just be like 12 and three. Now I don't know, like they're, it's 50 50. Like they could, maybe they'll lose the Titans or maybe they lose the Ravens game, whatever. But just to think about like the Browns sitting at a record, of 12 and three or like finishing the season at like 13 and three is insane. It's an there insane will still thing. Be, there will still be nerds on Twitter yes. that will be yeah, budding that record. At that Absolutely. Point. But, like, but I think, I don't think the Ravens for any AFC North team game, no matter how shitty they might be or how like falling off the cliff they might be. They're not, that's not going to be an easy game. I don't Oh care. no. And it's Monday night. Like it's a, It'll yeah, I don't tough. care if RG3 is playing. I don't care how many Ravens are out. That's not a gimme. None of these games are gimme games. Steelers aren't gonna, isn't going to even going to be a gimme game, even if they're going for 16-0 and 0 by the time we play them, you know, and, and assuming they don't want to go into the playoffs 16-0 and 0 just because of the pressure of that. But I don't know. I, I think you win this game Sunday, and it's it becomes your ticket to punch. Yep. You win this game Sunday, and you are – you're definitely in control. And yeah, man, it's just about nine and three. Like, I know it's crazy. Eight and three there. You it's, I, I, it boggles my mind. People want to just dissect and discredit eight and three, especially for the Browns. Nine and three is a universe different than eight and three. Like, it's like, it's like, I don't know. Like COVID will literally have to cancel the whole season at that point. If you're nine and three and you miss the playoffs, like yeah. that would have to be the reason. So it's, it's wildly exciting. And I think, in any other year when we didn't have this COVID thing making everything super weird and surreal, people would be losing their fucking minds. Like, yeah. we would be drunk from Sunday night through the next Saturday night. We'd fucking drink some Pedialyte, <laughs> wake up at 6 in the morning. and I mean, think about how wild the tailgating would be right now. If Dude, the Muni lot would. Browns team. Oh, my goodness. The Muni lot. I would go there just for the – I'd pull out a lawn chair, and I would just sit in the middle of the Muni lot and just observe because it would it just be like, – 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to dissect and pick apart how, yeah, but, quote unquote, yeah, but this record, it's like, think about how robbed Browns fans are of enjoying this, like, in person. Like, it's, to, not ha- to not be able to experience what a full Brown stadium in the month of December, <laughs> you don't get a full Brown stadium in the month of December very often, and not only full, but, like, full-throated fans losing their minds, it's, it's a bummer, but like you said... This is this should not just be a one and done season. Like this should continue on no, under Stefanski, and, I, and so at least at the very least, that's the positive. That hopefully yeah. when stadiums can be full again next season, hopefully fingers crossed, um, fans can enjoy this. But yeah, man, like I wish that Monday night game is in Cleveland against Baltimore. Can you like say they beat the Titans this weekend? They're nine and three playing Baltimore on Monday night, like in Brown stadium, like, Oh my God. And that's, that's unfortunate. What's wild to me. Like what's wild to me is you can actually begin to feel good about the prospects where it is in previous years. We didn't play a meaningful game after what November after October. I mean, so it is fun. You can play the schedule game and actually be like, well, we could, you know, 12 and four isn't unthinkable. I, I, I mean, at this point, I just want to see the Browns get in the playoffs. I don't really give a fuck what this, what the, what that record looks like going in. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting to think that for once in, in the modern era, they're building a team that you can kind of expect to look as good as this, if not better next year. I agree with wow. you. And, uh, this weekend's going to be wild. Um, build, build and big, build two statues. In my opinion, you could build two statues, start Monday, Nick Chubb and Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. And I think Stefanski should just be a beard. I don't think it should be, <laughs> I don't think it should be him. I think it should just be like a hovering, like a hovering beard. I mean, like that dude's got to be up for, I don't know, it's probably a tired take to have, but I mean, he's got to be considered for coach of the year, right? He has to. He's got to be the, to me, I mean, biases aside, like, like what we said, the stuff he's had to deal with as a first year head coach, like to take this team to what it's at. Let's say that, let's, let's, let's flip it. Who else would be in the running for coach of the year? I know there's some good teams in the NFL, but who, who would, who would challenge him for that if, if the Browns, let's just say, End up eleven five, twelve and four. Like, yeah. who's I mean, I guess like that? if the Steelers went sixteen and zero, you're like, oh, Mike Tomlin. But like that team has that defense is the talent alone on that defense and offense. Like you know, I think Tomlin would get. It's hard not. It would be hard not to have him in the running for that. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, that's fair. He's. That's. I'm, I mean, there's got to be other guys that are up for it, but you know. Yeah, but no, Stefanski should Jeff Kingsbury. Uh, it depends. They're, they've fallen. The Cardinals have fallen off a little bit over the past couple of weeks. So it's like, we'll, we'll see. But I think like Stefanski should, will 100% be in the conversation um, for coach of the year as he should. Um, it is my, I mean, it, it, think about us. We haven't had a coach in any circumstances that looks this unflappable. Like you're like, you're not worried about the, the bottom falling out of the game plan with him. I can't think of one, let alone in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Like it's, it's oh. very impressive. It's very impressive. Um, and I think they finally, they finally got it right. He should be here for Dude, a long I'm the time. First, I'm the first guy to say I was furious when they, they can Dorsey and I mean, they can Freddie, but it was like, I wasn't thrilled about this guy. I didn't know anything about him, but the guy clearly is the guy. He, yeah, man, it's wild. He was, he was so under the radar. I mean, they obviously, he was the runner up to Freddie, um, 
two years ago. Yeah, we all we all can understand looking back why Freddie was picked over that guy. It kind of made sense at the time. We didn't know what that was going to turn into. But no, but but like that was the thing. I didn't know any. I was like, who is Kevin Stefanski? I don't even know who this dude is. Like he just kind of like popped out of nowhere, and now he's yeah. Like I said, it looks like the players love playing for him. Um, This is like the interesting evolution of the modern NFL coach is there's this evolution where like the successful NFL modern coach is like a guy that looks like the first guy your aunt dates after her divorce. And he's more of like a a tactician and he's more like a CEO strategist guy than he is like a field general, you know, like a, like an Andy Reid or like, um, like, Mike Ditka type, you know, like it's evolved to this thing where, you know, you feel like more the, the best coaches in the NFL right now. And I'm not saying this to diss these guys, but it's like, you look like you've played Madden at best in your life way too much. Yeah. I, like it's hard. I know Kevin played college yeah, you... football and stuff and he's no joke, but it's like, these guys all look like dudes I've got to beat out at the bar to take someone home with, you know, yeah. like it's oh, 100%. <laughs> like, yeah, Kevin looks like he would come up to my girl and just say something like, um, I don't know if you're invested in Apple stock, but it, uh, I don't know if you've seen the numbers <laughs> this week. And I would just be like, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden I look over and my girlfriend's gone and I'm like, okay, well, the beard was good. I get it. But I mean, I also forget I'm at that age now where there's like, there's more than a few NFL coaches that are younger than me. You know, I know. Him being one of them. So it's like, it's funny, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the evolution. It started with like Shanahan and Sean, Sean McVay, honest to God, like just looks like, you know, the GameStop manager, like it's a Disney movie where like the GameStop <laughs> manager had to be called in to become a pro NFL coach. And like, it just so happens he's like a wizard with it and shit. But, you know. <laughs> it's like, I can see Sean McVay. It's Cliff like the, Kingsbury. Like, oh, it, the, like next year, it's going to literally be like a dude with like the town hall slash forward. Yeah. Fucking haircut parted, sharp haircut thing. And like, you know, like <laughs> he's going to be, he's going to have a meeting. He's going to be like, football is like non GMOs. And here's why. And you're going to be like, yeah, it is. That makes a lot of sense. Coach. It's honestly going to be like a 27 year old coach. Next year. It's like, he's like, you know, you know, me and me and my quarterback, we just vibe, man. Like we yeah. just got together, it's bro. Really and I was like, fam, I really <laughs> dig like what we're building here and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he it's just like, went out there. We linked, you know, we linked, um, and the energy in the room was positive. Um, it's just, a, it's good. Yeah. It's good vibes between like he you. He duetted on my last TikTok. And it was like, <laughs> that's what I knew when we, we got together and he duetted my TikTok that like, bro, bro, this is going to be like, this is going to be serious, bro. Yeah. You see and them like, like just dapping up a secret handshake on the, on the sideline. You're like, what is going on? That coach is one year older than that quarterback. What's even happening right now? Well, I mean, yeah, like it's, I'm, look, I'm not young anymore. It's not really mathematically crazy that there's a, they're like, you know, I'm older than Kevin Stefanski and, and Sean McVay, but it also is the thing where it's just everyone acts younger collectively, generationally, and it's not a bad thing. It just makes for great jokes. Is, is it? Yeah, I'm just trying to get a Cliff Kingsbury house is all I'm trying to do. Bro, I'm trying to get that fire pit outside. Like, where is that house? And that looked like he was out in L.A. And I'm like, look, You know man. when your players, like, when your players are like, yo, how much is he getting paid again? Like, yeah, like, hold on one second. Yeah, that was, out, that was outrageous. That, like, that was honestly, like, that was one of the more entertaining drafts to ever watch. But when they posted that photo of him just chilling with no like, socks on and loafers in his, just, you know. Just, like, living, living the goddamn dream. 
Football is back and in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, let's, uh, I quickly wanted to touch on some sports design stuff before we get out of here, as that is uh, one of my favorite things that you, like something that I should actually, I actually know about. Yeah, that you are, uh, that you're an expert. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, well, obviously, you know, the Cavs released their city jerseys, um, to, uh, you know, split opinions on it, but I think, so I had tweeted this because, and I think this is what you did really well with your redesign of the um, the Indian jerseys that you did a little while back, where it was the Cleveland Buzzards. Obviously, um, rock and roll vibes to that, but you but you did it in a way that it was like very specific to Cle- like that's a very Cleveland thing. That's like ingrained in Cleveland. The Buzzard, like WMMS, like that whole thing. If you want to like, like, like just a reference yeah. for listeners, you can go okpants.com/slash/buzzards. To see the actual uniforms. Please check on. it out. They're so good. Um, the logo is a mint. Like I've always loved that, that buzzard logo. Like I think it's one of the cooler things that has come up in like Cleveland's logo history. But I, this is more of a general statement, but like I, I sometimes struggle with like, I, this is what I tweeted. I said, sometimes it reminds me of like when you're watching a Browns game, any national Cleveland sports team on television, they're like, and we're in Cleveland and there's the rock and roll hall of fame. And it's like, there are, there's other stuff you guys can show. And yet any national broadcast, it's just, there's the rock hall and we're back. And so I get really frustrated with that. Um, as I'm sure other people in Cleveland do, because it's like Cleveland, there is so diverse. There's so much like, culture that people don't even really know about in Cleveland that really never gets any light on it or anything. And um, so when sometimes like rock and roll is used as the only sort of influence on stuff, it's frustrating. But I think you did something where it was like, not only obviously rock and roll is a huge part of Cleveland's history. And I'm not saying that it's not like it's a, it is a cool part that we have the rock hall. It's all that stuff is cool. Um, I like it. It's an, it's, it's, you can't, you can't, distinguish Cleveland without the Rock Hall. For sure. As, as local dudes as you and I are, absolutely, we could be tired of shit and talking about the Rock Hall, but nationally, that's one of the main aspects of the skyline of the city of Cleveland to people. Sorry, go ahead. It is. No, you're right. You're 100%. Like, I get it. I just think, like, if you're going to design something that is, like, for the city, like, for Cleveland, like, this isn't for national people, you know? This is, like, the idea, I guess, behind city jerseys or like anything of that nature. What I like about what you did with the buzzer thing was like, okay, this is rock and roll, but it's also like this history of this very iconic radio station that has a very iconic logo. And it's all sort of like built into that. So I thought that was cool. I'm curious on your thoughts just in general about like the rock and roll sort of theme of in Cleveland sports and how it all ties in. I think that there are no bad ideas. I think, and this isn't me talking about these specific city jerseys. There, there's no such thing as a bad idea. There's just bad execution. You could take any played to death idea and you can always find if you're finessed enough in it, you can find a way to spin it in an interesting or unique new way. 
I, I don't, as an artist, that is what I, I firmly believe. I think with the whole city uniform league um, initiative, what kind of blows my mind about it is that we have, we're approaching this point where we don't even have any cohesion with teams and colors and identity anymore. And, you know, growing up, it's still, I still get really geeked out to see these new uniform and these new team branding rollouts because it's only getting more exponentially accelerated, but we are approaching a point of chaos anymore because when I looked at all those city uniforms, I'm like, I was like, okay, so this is Phoenix Suns. And they're like, no, it's Utah. I was like, oh, what? It's like, that's Milwaukee. I was like, so like, I go, that's the Memphis Grizzlies, right? Because it's like blue and navy. No, that's Milwaukee. I'm like, what? So it's just like, at some point, it's it's going to get so chaotic that they're going to have to rein it and tie it all in, or the league's going to, I would assume, have to step in and say, okay, can we like, can the Celtics be green and white? Green and white. Can we? Can you just do something with green and white? And they go, "Here's red and purple, <laughs> Boston Celtics." You know, and I'm not. I hate tradition. I'm the dude that wanted to rebrand the Browns a few years ago because I thought they were so shitty. There's no way around it. So, like, I love. It's my dream come true to kind of see like these teams and Nike go absolutely ape shit. With like, you know, like go nuts and it's anarchy with the team branding right now of these city uniforms. But, you know, like, I feel like I could say stuff about the the Cleveland city uniform and, and the rock and roll uniform, but I wasn't in the room when it was designed. I don't know what went, whose voices went into designing the thing. And I don't know where it went right, left, south, up and down. I can tell you that I gave my thoughts very succinctly publicly about what rock and roll and sports could look like from my perspective with the Cleveland Buzzards uniforms a few months ago. And attention, Mr. Dolan, owner of the Cleveland Indians, still for sale. Yeah. Still for sale. You can go um, pick it up. Howard, I'm, uh, I'm out here. You they're taking their talk. sweet old they're taking their sweet old time with this uh Indians redesign, and I'm not really sure um why it's taking so long when, you know, the buzzards are just right there. Um, as you mm-hmm. said, for sale, um, Paul, give OK Pants. Okay. If you want to come on the pod, Paul, and talk about it with me and Pants, you can. Like, we can mm-hmm. give you the merits of it. Um, I, I think you make a, Zoom anytime. Anytime. I think you make a good point, too, about, um, yeah, like, there's some loss of, like, just branding, I think, with some of these teams where, like, yeah, you're like, okay, Milwaukee is wearing a light blue Jersey where if like you didn't know who Giannis was, you'd be like, what team is playing right now? Oh, there's that giant Greek dude. So, okay. That's and I Milwaukee. also think this, I mean, they wear these jerseys, what, eight times a year? Yes. Maybe. It's, it's not that often, but it's so also they, too, it, I was just going to say like, and now they're sort of changing them every year, which is another thing, which is like, okay, we don't need a new city design every single year. Like, what happens to the de- one? Wait, wait. As a professional graphic designer, yeah. I very much think they need to update that design every year. Okay, fair enough. Any of it. I kind of like that. It, I like okay. that approach also, by the way. But it's just like their mission, Nike and, and the NBA's mission is accomplished when they roll out these chaotic jerseys because we spend weeks talking about it, right? Sure. Like, and that's kind of – before even the point of good design or solid design or whatever, that's the conversation is what they're in an attention economy. The conversation is what they want more than anything. Well, sales, but 
hundred percent. And like the rollouts and everything that they've done with it has been, yeah, they've, whenever a new Jersey comes out, it's sort of the topic of conversation on social media for the day. And I will say also to be critical, there is such an unnecessary emphasis on quote unquote storytelling in team branding and uniform designs. Like just make the shit look good. And just like at a certain point, it's just like, I could tell myself, I know in seconds when I look at something, I go, I would spend $85 on that or not. Like, let's yeah. start there. And then from there, it's like, yeah, you don't have to qualify every single design decision with this weird story you're concocting in your mind that dates back to the year 1934. Yeah. It's just it, at a certain point, it's like someone's getting paid to do copywriting and you really didn't need to go that deep with it. Like, no, does this shit look good or not? It's funny start- too, because like, yeah, I think like if there if there's an actual like influence behind it that's cool and like an actual like normal story that happened in life and you're like, okay, let's take an aspect of that and put it into this cool. I think about I have a pair of Air Jordan ones that are called the Letterman's. And it's because Michael Jordan went on David Letterman one time and they're like, okay, um, we're going to call these the Letterman because, uh, he went on David Letterman. So let's mock those up. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, okay, what, what NBA like, player has not been on a talk show? It's just like a very random thing. I mean, I'm trying to think. I, the only team that I thoroughly enjoy seeing this really overwrought, overmuscled storytelling with is the University of Oregon because it's Phil yep. Knight's petri dish for design and stuff and every single thing they do always looks amazing and even if it doesn't look objectively amazing it looks so wild you have no choice but to be in an astonishment of it and for some reason it's only limited to that school yeah yeah like in in the nfl they don't they don't get as risky with uniform design as they do like in college but man the, the the oregon shit always looks phenomenal i i love i will I will watch any Oregon game legit because sometimes I just want to see how the uniforms look on the field. Oh, it's, it's a so brilliant. Hot. It's a master stroke on Nike's behalf. I mean, it becomes like a three hour long, you know, um, merchandise commercial for them. But as, but that's really, I could make that statement for any, any game professional co- collegiate game. I mean, it, but they did like the Ohana jerseys last week or the week before. And it was like, here's, I was like, here's how you can give a nod to indigenous people in, you know, sports uniforms in a way that doesn't have to be racist. And, and I was like, yeah, it, it just looked unbelievable. I mean, it honestly looked like Marvel cinematic universe level costume design yeah. and stuff for sports. It was awesome. No, they've made not only like just design stuff and all that, they've made it a recruiting tool. Like they've turned it into, yeah, merchandising. It's a recruiting tool. Like it's, it's all that, um, yeah, I mean, they've like done the Xboxes in the lockers and, Dude, it's crazy. I had, I was lucky enough one year to go to Eugene and get to tour that football facility. And it is unlike anything you'll ever see in your life. Like it's just a Mac. Every part of it is immaculate. I don't like, I don't know. Like I kind of have a look behind the curtain a lot with a lot of these things, but like, I don't think people understand the amount of money. You hear Windhorse talk about it a lot with, with um, the NBA, but you know, they don't understand the amount of sway that Nike and these, these outfitter outfitting companies have over like the recruiting process professionally and collegiately. And I'm not saying I have experience firsthand with it, but it's, it's real obvious. It's like, it's nuts. No, it's, it's huge. I mean, even in, even in pros with, 
Um, you know, you just there was this clip going around of LeBron saying that he wanted to sign Luka Doncic as the first athlete to his team LeBron line that he has coming out. Like it's it, it's always like Nike especially is always is always in every crevice of professional sports, collegiate sports. They invented sports. the game, though, for 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 better or worse. I mean, they 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 invented that whole game. So, like, why wouldn't they be, you know, the mob bosses of all of it? Yeah, Still. I mean, sure. we're talking, fuck, thirty years ago? No, thirty five years ago, the first Jordans. You know, it's cr- I mean, whole generations have been raised under this this culture, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Trust me, as a designer it's shaped how I work and how I view the world and stuff. It's just wild though, to really take a step back and look at all of it. I agree with you. Um, and I'll, I'll end it on this. I, I just kind of want the Cavs to wear their, their, those throwbacks they were wearing last year from the, uh, from the nineties. I'm obsessed with the black and sort of uh, with the jagged little edges and the, and the light blue. Like I, I love that. I love how they look. I love the court that they had with it. I don't know if those are, I don't know if those are coming back this year or not. Um, but I, I would be happy if they just wore those. They brought out the city jerseys every once in a while and like call it a day. Yeah, I, I um, I, I don't. It's, it's just, it's exciting as a, as an artist and a designer to see these teams changing up like the court designs to match. The, the court design is awesome. Absolutely, I think it's so cool that all the teams are doing that. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy to see the game changing in, in that way aesthetically. It's just uh, you know me sitting here, you know, looking at my bills. I got to pay for the next month. I'm like, I would love to have a piece of some of. <laughs> I would love to have. Uh, call me in, man. I was like, I'm not hard to find. I would, I would love to get involved in it. But you know, the Cavs hiring a creative director is a very exciting precedent. To oh, that's set. right. Yeah, that that happened pretty recently, didn't it? Yeah, Daniel Arsham got hired a few weeks ago. Yeah. So I don't know what, how that all looks, what that produces and what it's going to look like. But I can tell you as an artist, it's an, I, I hope it's an exciting thing that gets adopted by a lot of teams. Cause bills got to get paid. Bills got to get paid. People Jobs need to get paid. Get purchased. Yep. <laughs> um, cool. Well, pants, thank you as always for joining the pod. Um, it's My been, pleasure. uh, it's been great. Um, go Browns this weekend, and uh, maybe we'll talk again when they're thirteen and three and getting ready to go into. Man, if they're thirteen and three, I'll drink a whole bottle of tequila before I jump on. With Let's you go, fucking go. Let's so, yeah. go. I will do the same thing, and we will turn up, and we will have the most incoherent conversation for an hour, and it'll be amazing. I mean, like you got to think about that would really be like an after dark episode of the rebuild. Have to. The, the pre-build, the, pre- <laughs> the pre-game, the pre-build where we just we just steadily drink for an hour and a half. The rebuild and... after party where it's like you know we like we can't go to bars to celebrate if the Browns get in the playoffs or win a playoff game. So it'd literally just be us, be like, you know, the thing is like I knew Baker, fucking Baker, my guy. I never, I never. I saw I saw Baker at Town Hall and he was a rookie man, and I was like, you're gonna do great things, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's gonna be. That's what it's gonna be, man. It's gonna be great. Pencil me in. Yep. All right, man. Well, we will, uh, we will set that up and it'll be amazing. And, uh, Pants, thank you again. Uh, if you want to plug any of your places to find your work, please do so because Instagram. he's crazy talented. Check it out. Okay, Pants. Okay, P-A-N-T-S on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And, um, yeah, I put the work in on that content and I appreciate anybody following me in the conversation. All right. This has been the rebuild. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>